Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Lots of things are better together. Hockey, food, golf. How about a cold one on the patio during a nice spring day? But if you really want to take things to the next level, drink some Labatt Blue Lights with your friends and live life to the power of we. Always enjoy responsibly. Beer, Labatt USA, Buffalo, New York. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. We are officially at the halfway point of the season. It's amazing to think about how fast this year has flown by. Before we get into all the games of this past week, including the Bills somehow falling apart against the Jaguars, the Rams flat against the Titans, and of course the Lombardi Bowl, Patriots over the Panthers. Mike, is there something right now that stands out to you as we look at this first half of this NFL season? I don't know if I am as excited as Scott Hansen was yesterday for Josh Allen sacking Josh Allen. <laughs> I, I've never seen a man more excited about it in all my life. I mean, this man was so excited to be able to say Josh Allen, Josh Allen. Like, I didn't care. Did you care? I didn't really give one shit. <laughs> I could care less, but he did. And it was so important to him. It was so important to him. I mean, the passion. You know, I mean, he should win an award for how important it was for him that he could walk off that stage saying, Josh Allen, Jasak, Josh Allen. <laughs> uh, that, to me, is a midseason award if I've ever seen one. Uh, we definitely had that in baseball because it was Will Smith versus Will Smith. There's a Braves reliever and the catcher for the Dodgers. So you are right. Sportscasters tend to get very excited when that, that could happen. So uh, the Josh Allen, Josh Allen, the first time ever. Uh, for me... Listen, I think the most surprising part of the first half of the season, there's no question about it. It's the Kansas City Chiefs. You and I both said Chiefs are going to make the Super Bowl. Mahomes is an absolute stud. If you told me at the start of the year, bet on one thing, I'd say Chiefs are great and Mahomes is great. And neither has been true. And they beat the Packers fine. And we're going to talk about that game. But Mike, this was hardly a commanding effort. I mean, Jordan Love had a late touchdown. If they had a couple of those field goals made, one was missed, one was blocked, the Packers would have won that game 14-13. to So for me, the first half of the story has to be the Chiefs. No doubt. I mean, how disappointing they are and how badly Mahomes is playing. And we're starting to hear a little bit from the announcers that he's not playing well, finally. I mean, it's like it's on the tape right there in front of us. He's not playing well at all. I mean, for them to score 13 points against the Packers and none in the second half, and we'll talk about that game. But I think to me, as I look over the landscape of the league and I say, okay, like who are the really good teams? You know, like, you know, the Rams to me are soft. The 49ers are, are soft. Like, I think the Rams are the biggest front runners. I would say, you know, after the midseason point, I think the Tampa Bay Buccaneers are still the best team in the league. I, I, I know they didn't play yesterday, but I still think they're the best team in the league. I think they're going to be hard to play. They're, when they're healthy, their offense will be improved. 
I think what we learned at the midseason, Mark, too, is some of these teams, some of these players' teams lost the MVP. I mean, Josh Allen lost the MVP chances down in Jacksonville. I mean, you can't be an MVP candidate and score six points against the worst defense in the National Football League. You just can't be it. I mean, you can't. Matthew Stafford could have lost it. I mean, not, not that it was his fault. Yes, he was getting the shit kicked out of him. But I mean, you can't. You can't lose that game. You can't lose to the Titans when they don't have their best player. You know. And so I think, to me, you know, some of these MVP candidates. I think Brady should certainly be considered the MVP candidate by a long shot. I, I think Kyler Murray. You know, I keep overlooking the the the, the Cardinals, but they have they're tough. They have the best team, and we can we could talk about, you know, Cliff Kingsbury and his coaching. Guy's done a great job. I mean, guys, the team's more physical than the 49ers and the Rams, two high-profile teams. My coach of the year, my coach of the year at the midseason, Mark A.D., is Mike Vrabel. Hands down, Mike Vrabel. Mike Vrabel's done a remarkable job. The team's 7-2. and two. You know, his team is tough. They're getting better on defense. They kicked the shit out of the Rams yesterday. Here they come off of beating the Rams, the Chiefs, the Bills. I mean, this team's mentally tough. I, I am, he's got me sold on the Titans. No question that Vrabel's been great, especially in a game like that. You say, listen, they lose Derrick Henry. Hey, it's, been, it's fun for playing, guys. This guy is so critical to your offense. Nobody would expect them to step up like that. And they do so on the road at SoFi. And as you said, a physical performance. It wasn't like Tannehill put up 40. It was their defense that completely uh, made life miserable for Matthew Stafford, who's an MVP favorite in some respects. So it's funny. When I look at it overall, my pick at the start of the year was Rams-Chiefs. I'll take the mulligan on the Chiefs and now update that to Rams-Ravens. Um, and as far as an MVP, I will go with Kyler Murray. I think he's been tremendous for the Cardinals, who are eight and one. And you're right about Coach of the Year. He, he certainly deserves a claim. Vrabel does. The one shock to me, Mike, also from yesterday, I wanted to put the Cowboys as like potentially my NFC pick, but the fact that they had a horrible game. I mean that that goes to show me just how what of a liability Mike McCarthy is. They get Dak back, and you figure here we go. Instead, it was the opposite. So that's a concern for me. No doubt, it is. And and you know you got to still talk about Lamar as the MVP because I mean even though he makes mistakes, he brings his team back in a game that probably most people thought he wasn't going to win. He comes back and wins it. I mean, not that they didn't think it was going to win before the game, but during the game, could he come back and make win that game? I mean, you got to certainly keep him in the conversation as the MVP candidate. And so, yeah, I'm with you. I was really disappointed. I knew the, I, I, you know, I gave out my three picks Sunday morning and I had the Broncos because I just felt like the Broncos could keep it within 10 points. But did I think the Broncos were going to win? No chance. No. No. And, you know, and yet they did. They dominated that game from the start to the, well, not from the start. Pollard takes a kickoff back and Burley gets tackled and they go for it on fourth down and they don't get it. And the next thing you know, the Broncos are taking the game over. They go into halftime 16 and nothing. So, you know, I don't think you could dismiss Lamar. I think Dak might have cost himself a chance at the MVP with that performance against the Broncos yesterday, although it wasn't solely all his fault when you consider the fact that they couldn't stop the Broncos' run game. No question. All right. Those are our thoughts. Just big picture right now on this first half of the season. Let's get into some actual games, including the Lombardi Bowl, the Patriots, and the Panthers. So yeah. Mick is your son, the Patriots wide receiver coach, and Matt, who is the Panthers assistant quarterback coach. The Patriots out to all the Panthers. And as you said last week, Millie was saying, I'll share for the Panthers since they're at home. So I don't think mom is happy with this result. 24-6, New England wins. Yeah, it was, look, I, I, I labeled it the gratitude bowl because to me, I'm just grateful. 
You know, I don't think there's there, there's a winner or a loser in the game. I'm just grateful for both of them for because the, they have incredible families. They've given me, you know, four of the greatest grandsons you could ever have with a little baby on the way here in a couple of weeks. So to me, you know, as I was watching the game unfold, it was really about gratitude towards them and what they become as men and their families and and the legacy that they're going to keep passing on to their generations it's it's been great it's been a lot of fun and the game wasn't fun for Matthew you know this is an example for me of you know Belichick has just got his team like Rabel they're getting better every week defensively they were really good yesterday they you know Sam Darnold was not very good in the game turned the ball over way too much but i think when you watch the tape you know, the, the, they, they did exactly what they, they didn't allow Christian McCaffrey to get the ball outside. They, they forced, they forced Donald to have to make some tight throws. And at the end of the day, the Panthers offensive line is going to need to be reconstructed. They got to fix that area of their football team and the Patriots another week where Mac Jones doesn't play well, yet they win a game. You know, Mac Jones makes some rookie mistakes, misses Henry Hunter wide open down the field, Hunter Henry, I'm sorry, wide open down the field. But they come out of here with a win. They're able to run the ball, control the line of scrimmage, and every week they seem to be getting better. So for me as a proud father, I was just grateful. No question about it. And the good news for the Panthers is McCaffrey was back, 106 yards and 18 touches. He'll only get better. Panthers have only scored one touchdown in the last three games. So that's obviously a big concern. And you mentioned the fact Mac Jones did not step up, but Belichick has Darnold's number, 4-0 against the quarterback, and that Patriots defense. That's my takeaway for you. Have we underestimated how good New England's defense is or whether this is a case of Carolina's offense once again struggling? Well, I think Carolina's offense is struggling. There's no doubt. I mean, I think Carolina's biggest problem offensively is they need to get an identity. You know, they, they want to be an outside zone team. And I think to me, when I watch the National Football League and all these outside zone teams, I think you lack a sense of toughness running the outside zone. I think it's in San Francisco. I think San Francisco is not tough. And I think all these teams that run this outside zone and then have to run play action off of it, they end up with offensive line that if they get behind in a game, they can't pass protect. I mean, San Francisco's down 14 to nothing, and they can't pass protect in the game. I mean, their offensive line was is bad. I mean, the Rams just last night, their offensive line was as bad as it could be. If you tell me that's a Super Bowl team with that offensive line, I'll, then it goes against everything I believe in in football. So, But I think that's what the Panthers, they, they've got to come up with an identity on who they want to be offensively. And they want to run outside zone, run nakeds. Okay, but when somebody makes you play left-handed, what's your answer for that? And I don't think they had one yesterday. And they're going to have to reevaluate it and figure this out really quickly. No doubt about it. As Darnold, once again, three interceptions, he struggles behind that offensive line. All right, Bills and Jaguars, as you said, Josh Allen may have cost himself the chance at the MVP. I mean, every week, Mike, there's a big upset, and that's why we love football because it's so unpredictable. But seriously, the Jaguars enter the game as a 15-and-a-half-point underdog. There's underdogs and there's underdogs. Only six teams since 1990 have pulled off a win entering a game as a bigger underdog, and the Jags get their first win in this country since week one of 2020. I'm still in shock, and it's their defense. It was back to the old days of Saxonville. Held the Bills at just 72 yards on the ground. They sacked down four times, picked them off twice. Listen, the Bills may still be the favorite East. They're five and three, but the Patriots are five and four. Like, this was a bad loss to the Bills. There's no question about it. No, I mean, if you're a, if you're a legitimate great team, you might play badly in Jacksonville, but you can't lose. I mean, AD, they're in the survivor contest. So there, this is, this is survivor is circa out. And if you ever get a chance, 
and you're in Las Vegas, you got to go downtown. You got to go to Stadium Swim. You got to go to Circuits, incredible hotels, especially if you love sports. So they have the contest where you pick, a, you have to, all you have to do is pick one winner a week, but you can only use a team once. Okay. You can only use a team one time. So, you know, this week it, it gets a little hairy and, and every week there is a game. Thanksgiving has a game and Christmas has games. So they're separate weeks. Okay. So not everybody, like not, not everybody, everybody's going to save Dallas for, for Thanksgiving day because they play the Raiders. Okay. But what makes this game so alarming is here it is. The Bills are playing in Jacksonville. And a lot of people take the Bills. 249 people of the circuit contest took the Bills. Like, like who would have thought that if they hold this Jacksonville to nine points, they were going to lose the game? I mean, Jacksonville is one of the worst defenses in all of football. But once again, here's what I think is going on in the National Football League. I think people are, as we get further into the year, we're losing pad level. We're using we're losing the ability to control the line of scrimmage. The Bills only ran the ball. Singletary had six carries in the game. Josh Allen was their leading rusher. He had five carries. Right? You got to have more balance. You got to be able to get the line of scrimmage, control it. Look, I am not a believer that you run the ball to score points. I am a believer that the running game gives you toughness. I am a believer that the running game allows you to do other things. People say, well, you don't need to run the ball to run play action. Granted, granted, you don't. But you needed to build your team to control the pace of the game, to be able to slow it down, to handle the game, and get control of the football game. Get control. And for them to score six points against a bad team, to me, I, I'm sure Brian Dayball's sick in his stomach. I mean, I mean, think about this: the Titans lose to the Jets, and the Jaguars and 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 the and the Jaguars beat the Bills. I mean, it's remarkable. And yesterday, I mean, yesterday, all the teams, a lot of people in circuit contest. The Cowboys had 111 selections. The Saints had 122. Tonight, there's 151 people going for the for the Steelers. If the Steelers lose tonight, basically, the circuit contest will have under 400 people left in it, and it'll be anyone's guess. <laughs> out of three, out of 3,500. Right. Think about that. Think how hard this is. And we're only in week nine. Think about how hard this is. This is the unpredictability. What a great idea it is for a contest. Oh, yeah. People dropping like flies. Like I said, it's not even the halfway point of the season. You think it's a gimme, and then it comes up snake eyes. Josh Allen, the linebacker, a sack, a pick, a fumble recovery. How about the cornerback, Shaq Griffin, who said of the Bills, I was just looking at their sideline, watching them walking around. It's like they don't care. They don't deserve this. By the way, Jacksonville kicker Matt Wright even missed three field goals. So it could have been even more disastrous for Buffalo. You just have to say to themselves, all right, bad loss. Let's try to regroup and come back because it cannot get much worse than that. Another good team that suffered a bad loss, the Dallas Cowboys. They lose 30-16 to against the Denver Broncos. We touched on it off the top. Dak comes back. They came in red hot. They'd won six straight. They lead the NFL with 32 points per game. And yet Denver never trailed on Sunday. Ground game was dominant. Melvin Gordon, Javante Williams combined for 191 yards and a touchdown. They treated their best defensive player in franchise history and were en route to a shutout until the Cowboys scored two touchdowns in the final four minutes. I uh, said, Mike McCarthy, we were outcoached. We were outplayed all the way through. This is the first time I felt our energy didn't exceed our opponents, and that was disappointing. 
I will give Mike McCarthy credit, Mike. He's right about that. No, he is dead right about that. And I mean, and this is the Denver team that we kind of thought they could be like, right? They had Sertan, Darby, and Fuller. They had three really good corners. Now, you know, Fuller hadn't played well going into the season. He played poorly against Pittsburgh, you know, and Sertan has played good all year and Darby's been injured. But this was the first time, you know, that they were able to get the, and their three corners locked up on them and covering them. And they got pressure off the edges. You know, Dallas losing uh, Smith, their left tackle. They had to play steel at left tackle. That didn't help. But make no mistake about it. Denver dominated this game from the start to the finish. They were all over them. And their defense was all over them. They did not have an answer for them. And they finally got some linebacker play. I mean, you know, Denver's been playing the last couple of weeks without linebackers. I mean, they've lost two of their starting linebackers, and now they finally got it back. They made the trade for Kenny Young. So, I mean, give Vic Fangio credit. I mean, right there, he just stoned them. I mean, he basically said to Kellen Moore, you can't do shit against me, bro. I got it. And he knew everything. And they just played cover two man under. They took away all the routes. There was no place for him to go. They couldn't make a play down the field. You know, and so the longest pass play Prescott had was 32 yards. And that didn't come in, you know, that came in the in the quarter. But it was a weird play in the game, A.D. So they the, the Cowboys block a kick, right? The ball stays on the ground and it goes forward and it touches a Cowboys guy, a punt. It touches the Cowboys guy and then the Broncos recover it and then it becomes the Broncos ball. Just at the start of the second half, just when they were thinking about getting some momentum, they were going to turn it around and they couldn't. But look, they ran the ball effectively on the Dem- on the Dallas defense, for, and they converted third downs at fifty three percent. Teddy two gloves. I mean, when you get Teddy two gloves as a, as a as a dog, think about this. Ad they controlled the ball. The da- the Denver Broncos controlled the ball forty one minutes in the game. Remarkable. Yeah, that's insane. And Dak Prescott interception in the fourth quarter is ninth in his last ten games. He had two interceptions in the previous nine games. So clearly, turning the ball over a recipe for disaster for the Dallas Cowboys. Denver's back on track now. They've won two straight. AFC West is wide open, Mike. This is the team that we thought they could be if they had better quarterback play. I wouldn't put it out of the realm of reason they can at least contend for a playoff spot. Yeah, I I mean, this is they got such a big game this week, right? They got Philly coming to town, right? They should be able to handle Philly. They should be able to handle Philly, right? They should be able to put pressure on Philly. If they could stop Jalen Hurts from running around, Philly won't throw the ball on them. This is a big moment for the Denver Broncos. They've got to find a way, and they get right back in this thing. And if they could get any offense like they did yesterday, they've got a chance. Ran all over Dan Quinn's defense and shut down that high-powered offense of the Cowboys. Coming up next, no Henry, no problem. No Murray, no problem. How the Titans and Cardinals able to overcome key injuries to pick up wins and more records for Lamar Jackson. That's next on the GM Shuffle. All right, anytime you're on the golf course, you always hear the phrase, hit it long and hit it straight. Well, as somebody who's a novice to the game of golf, a new person, I wanted to make sure I had the best equipment possible. So... As a novice golfer, I went and hit up our friends over at PXG because they have an all-new driver called the Black Ops. I mean, my man Chris over in Henderson has hooked me up with a phenomenal driver that's built to my game. My new game that doesn't really do much of anything on the course, but it has what I need in terms of the club head speed and the kind of grip that I need to go out there and be the best to my ability. I mean, this is music to ears to any golfer, whether you're a novice like myself or if you've been playing the game for decades. The PXG Black Ops driver is a breakthrough in driver technology. It's a complete and total victory in golf club engineering unlike anything you've ever seen before. Black Op drivers are adjustable to deliver a combined MOI of 10,000 plus 
for unreal forgiveness. That's just ridiculously high. So what you got to do, go check out the PXG Black Ops Driver. You'll be as impressed with it as I am. Learn more and get free shipping on all equipment at pxg.com slash gmshuffle and use code gmshuffle at checkout. That's pxg.com slash gmshuffle, code gmshuffle for free shipping on all equipment, pxg.com slash gmshuffle, code gmshuffle. The NBA playoffs are heating up, and so is the action at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. With same-game parlays, live betting, odds boosts, and so much more, don't miss out as the NBA postseason winds down. I mean, the second round of the playoffs have been absolutely phenomenal, and if you really like a team, you can bet on them for the futures markets, maybe some conference finals MVPs as the conference finals approach, or how about NBA finals MVP? And if you're new to DraftKings, you got to check this out. New customers bet five bucks to get 150 in bonus bets instantly. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code SHUFFLE. That's code SHUFFLE for new customers to get 150 in bonus bets when you bet just five bucks only on DraftKings. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369. In Connecticut, help is available. For problem gambling, call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please pay responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas. 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Well, we touched it off the top, Mike. This was an absolute stunner. On Sunday Night Football, the Titans going to SoFi Stadium and push around the Rams and win this game 28-16. to Stafford, who has been an MVP candidate, you look at his numbers in all the major categories, he's top two in most of those categories. But this night, he throws a couple of interceptions, was harassed by the defense. Jeffrey Simmons was great. He had three sacks. Stafford, I mentioned, picked off twice. L.A. held to under 100 yards on the ground. Let's start first with the Tennessee defense and that inspired effort before we get to the offense and how will they did without Derrick Henry. How about their D coming up big against Sean McVay? They kicked the shit out of the Rams. I mean, they just basically, their defensive front just dominated them. I mean, they just dominated them. I mean, make no mistake about it. I mean, between Simmons and Autry and all their guys inside, this this defense has really improved. And a tribute to Brable. I think, you know, the, the, they, they've got new defensive coordinator in there. Jim Schwartz is on the defensive staff, and you could see the impact that he's making on this team. I could see it. I mean, I know Schwartz really well, and I could see the impact that he's making on the Tennessee defense. They're sound. They play hard. They play physical. They basically took the, took the Rams right out of their game. They made the Rams play left-handed. I don't know what McVay was thinking. I, I really don't know. I mean, he's going into empty, and he can't block them. Like, I don't, I don't know how you get into empty when you can't block somebody. And I think this, I think what happens to you is Stafford is so good. It, it, he becomes he becomes a clutch because he's so good. It becomes so easy to throw three yards wide stick and get a first down, and you lose your sense of toughness. The Rams have lost their toughness. You know they with golf. I'm not saying golf was tough, and you know how I feel about golf. But what the Rams were able to do with golf is they were going they were going to run the ball because they didn't want golf to screw it up, right? Now, they don't have that problem. They know Stafford can't really screw it up, so they're going to throw it almost every play. And they've lost their toughness. 
they've lost their identity. You know, and, and I can remember Sean Payton's team before he won the Super Bowl. It got so easy for him to row, throw wide stick spacing for first downs that the next year he went back and said, look, I'm going to have some balance to what I'm doing. And ever since then, he did. And I think this is where Sean McVay, Sean McVay's got to get back because if he leaves that offensive line out there and he allows them to have to pass block 48 passes, they're going to get their asses kicked. They're going to get knocked around. You know, they're go- and, and it can't be nickel runs. You're going to have to get in there. You're going to have to get some double teams. You have to put pe- pe- push people off the line because this ain't going to work. This is not going to work. Look, everybody wants to talk about how great Cooper Cup is. Cooper Cup's wonderful. He's a nice player, great player. But Cooper Cup, if you don't give him the big play and allow him to catch, let him have 11 catches. I don't give a damn. Have him 14. But if he's averaging under 10 yards a catch, he's never going to beat you. He's never going to beat you. His long play last night was 17 yards. That was the game plan. Take Cup from beating us down the field. Don't let them. And think about it, AD. How do they get all their big plays in the past? Play action. Running the fake the run, draw the people in, throw the ball over their head. Now they don't do that. Stafford, not intentionally, has made the Rams softer. He's also And also, McVay with all these stars, there's no discipline on that team. There's no discipline or accountability. I mean, Jalen Ramsey does whatever he wants to do. You know, they get personal fouls. I mean, yes, last night, I mean, last night alone, I mean, they had 12 penalties for 115 yards. How are you going to beat anybody with 12 penalties for 115? And then you turn the ball over twice for two touchdowns. That's a a recipe to lose the game. Definitely. And that's on the head coach. I love McVay, but you got to have your team more disciplined. Otherwise, you know, the buck stops here. You got to tell these guys, you got to play smarter. Otherwise, you're shooting yourself in the foot. And Tennessee... This is the shock to me, Mike. They're 7-2. and two. They have the easiest schedule by opponent record going forward. Now, listen, will the Henry loss impact them? Of course it will. This was just one game. Adrian Peterson, I mean, I've never been a fan of that guy. They pick him off the street for 11 touches, 26 yards, and a touchdown. I mean, that's kind of stocking. Deontay Foreman had 29 yards. Jeremy McNichols, 35. I get the fact you can use somewhat of a running back by committee, but there's no way you can replace Derrick Henry. That will catch up to them. Having said that, 7-2 and two is a hell of a cushion. If you tell yourself, listen, let's just go 500 the rest the way that's that could be a playoff team no doubt i mean look and, and he's coaching them i mean look they they come off of they have two home games they beat buffalo and kansas city they dominate they beat the shit out of kansas city buffalo allen slips right but they played physical they go back they go into indianapolis they win that game fair and square you know indianapolis they turn they turn the ball over with indianapolis and now that you know they go out to los angeles without their best player and they and they and they basically pushed them around I mean, they pushed him around. I mean, tats off. I mean, how do you not give Rabel coach of the year with what he's doing? Now, he's got the Saints at home this week. Then he goes Houston, and he's got to go to New England before the bye. So he's got, you know, two out of the next three games going to be hard games for him. And one thing we do know when we watch them play, if Tannehill gets behind and he has to throw dropback passes, then that's a problem. And I, I'm with you. I don't know if Peterson has much gas left in the tank. Foreman, to me, has always been a really, really, really underscore really talented kid. He's just an underachiever. I mean, I don't know how much he loves football. This was a kid who was a legendary high school player, you know, went to University of Texas, one of our most highly recruited kids. I mean, this is a big man who's got some juice in his body, but never knows what he wants. But, you know, I, I think that, that the next three weeks, you got the Saints at home, which will be a hard game. That'll be a hard game because the Saints, for you know, the Saints yesterday, they held Atlanta, I think Atlanta had 25 carries for 36 yards. You can't run the ball. It's hard to run the ball in the Saints. 
And then New England, the way they're playing, New England will make Tennessee play left-handed. That, that'll be a great game to watch because both coaches will make the other one try to play left-handed. Yeah, I just look at the numbers. and go, listen, you're 7-2. and two, uh, It's 17-game schedule now, so you got eight games left. Just go 4-4. Four and four. You know what I mean? If we get we go 11-6, and six, this team is going to the playoffs. It's, it's interesting to see what will happen for Tennessee. Oh, they have it too, AD. They got Houston. They play Houston twice, so you can count those for two more wins, right? They've got Jackson another time. Jacksonville another time. There's three. They've got Miami another time. There's four. So now you, there's your 11. And, and and that's not saying that they're not going to beat they're not going to beat San Francisco, Pittsburgh or New Orleans, you know? I mean, so they they got a they got a pretty good chance at it. Meantime, the Cardinals and the 49ers, Arizona does it again. And this is a really impressive win because they're doing it without their stars. They find out just before the game, they be all their offensive guys. Kyler Murray, DeAndre Hopkins, A.J. Green, running back Chase Edmonds leaves after one play with an ankle injury. How about that? Backup quarterback Colt McCoy and James Conner. James Conner is having a ridiculous season. He finished with 173 yards from scrimmage. He leads the NFL with 11 touchdowns. The guy was awesome. And for the Niners, how bad is this? Again, you are gifted a game at home against, excuse me, you're playing a game against the Cardinals without a majority of their key offensive players at home, and you're winless in four home games this season. George Kittle was great. He comes off the IR, and you still can't get a gun against Colt McCoy. What a bad loss for the Niners. Yeah, they're one and five in the last five games. And they're they're one and two off the bye and two home losses. I mean, look, and they gave up 437 yards to Colt McCoy yesterday, 437. The Niners this year have only forced five turnovers all season defensively. They can't get the ball out. And now Armstead got called with the horrible face mask penalty. It was bad. But, I mean, it was they called it, and it, it was what it was. They turned the ball over too much in the game, and they got behind 14 to nothing. Look, I, I said this. I love Kyle Shanahan. I think Kyle Shanahan's a bright offensive coach, but he has no drop back pass game. And when he gets behind fourteen to nothing and he can't run the ball, then that that offensive line that people think is so good because they can run block sucks. It sucks, and they get pushed around just like the Rams got pushed around. Right? It's all play action. It's all we're just going to win on the second level. We're not going to win on the first level, and we can't throw it. This will all be Jimmy Garoppolo's fault, right? I mean, that they gave up 437 yards. It'll be Garoppolo's fault. They run for 39. They couldn't run the ball. They get behind. You get behind in a game 14 and nothing. All of a sudden, you're behind 21 nothing. I mean, they couldn't stop them. And I, you know, this. I think you have to be really careful. And I make this mistake way too often. James Conner looked horrible last year. Horrible. He looked so bad last year. He had no juice in his body. He looked horrible. And now I watch him this year, and I'm like, you're an idiot, Lombardi. He's good. He's really good. And it just reminds me that we critique players when we're watching them playing, and they're hurt, and they're trying to play, and they're not, and they're, and they're not very good, but they're trying to play, but they're hurt. And Connor was hurt last year. No doubt. He was playing through some things, but the level that he played at last year was just he was a warrior. This year, he's a really good player. And it's great to see his perseverance, his resilience. He and Colt McCoy come up big as they knock off the Niners. Arizona, as you said, Kingsbury firmly in the conversation right now for Coach of the Year. Vikings and Ravens. Baltimore outlasts Minnesota 34 to 31. How about Minnesota? Another close loss. They've got five losses this season, none of which have been more than seven points. And this time, they, they, let, it, they let it get away from them. The Ravens rallied from a 14 point third quarter deficit 
Anthony Barr of Minnesota, first position of OT, acrobatic interception, could have been disastrous, but the Ravens' defense makes stops. Tucker, which is about as automatic as it gets, 36-yard field goal, 16 seconds left in overtime. You go, okay, this thing's over. He's made 53 consecutive field goals in the fourth quarter in OT. But as we said off the top, Lamar Jackson, MVP conversation, 10th career 100-yard rushing game. That ties Michael Vick's regular season record for quarterbacks. Amazing. It really is. And and I tell you, if I'm a Viking fan, I'm sick because, you know, Kirk Cousins against the secondary throws for a buck 87. You know, he throws for a buck 87. I mean, you got to make plays again. And 50 of them was one play. I mean, basically, he made 50 yards on one play. He couldn't do anything. Get the ball in overtime and they get conservative. They can't make a play. I mean, Thielen's got two catches for six yards or something like that in the game. I mean, he's supposed to be one of your best receivers. Two catches for six yards. You know, Dalvin Cook's got three catches for 12 yards. You can't do anything in the passing game. Like, to me, that's your problem. That's your problem. You got no plays. You can't make a play in a passing game. It happened last week against Dallas. Like, to me, this is, look, Clint Kubiak took over for his, for his dad. It's pretty obvious he's not his dad. Like, they have no passing game. And, and, and Cousins can't, isn't making any plays. You could say, look, they played a doubleheader on defense. I mean, they played a doubleheader on defense. They played 48, 46 minutes on defense yesterday. 46 minutes. You know? I mean, how are you going to win a game like that playing 46 minutes? Their defense was exhaustive. When you got that ball in overtime at the 38-yard line, you got to win the game right there. We got to win the game. We got to, you know, here's our, the net, we got fifth, we got the next 10 plays have to be our best plays. I don't understand why the NFL doesn't spend more time talking about that. There was a video the Patriots posted up there that they were against the Chargers that basically they they called the team together and they went over it. Like, look, here's the next, this is what we've done. This is the next 10 plays. And I know I quote the Patriots all the time because I've seen them do this and I don't understand why teams don't. Like if I'm Mike Zimmer and we got that ball at the 38, I'm telling Clint Kubiak, look, I don't give a shit what we got cooking. I want three of it. We got to get a first down. We got to get first downs, and I want your best plays. I don't want Dalvin Cook one-yard runs. Like, I don't want to get to third and manageable. I want first downs. Like, he almost had to go for it there. Like, like say, look, we get the ball at the 38-yard line. We're going to go for it. We got four plays to go for it because I can't give the ball back. My defense isn't going to stop them. My defense isn't going to stop them. Like, I got no chance. You get the ball at the 38-yard line, you got to go for it. For me, it's to me, this is on Minnesota offense for, you know, they get the kick return for the touchdown and the defense makes the one play that they had to make with Lamar in overtime. And, you know, they don't get it. They go, they get basically three plays. They get one yard. Yeah, it's embarrassing. And for the Ravens, again, their resilience, they're able to come back. Listen, the third game of the season, which they've trailed by double digits in the second half to come back to win. And for Minnesota, listen, eventually you just say to yourself, this isn't going to be their year. I mean, they're three and five. It's one thing to say, oh, there's lots of close losses, but eventually you go, hey, you're at the halfway point of the season. You're under 500. Could you go on a run? Sure. And you've got players, obviously Dalvin Cook and others, but uh, Mike Zimmer now 12-24-1 and versus former MVP quarterbacks in his career as a head coach in D.C. I'm sure he's scratching his head after this one. Um, Adam Thielen again steps up, but not nearly enough for Minnesota. So I, I think you're right, Mike. The big takeaway for me is, hey, Ravens, congrats. You guys are legit. And for the Vikings, it's incredibly frustrating. No doubt. No doubt. I mean, they can't get the ball to Thielen. Jefferson makes one play off of play action. I mean, at some point, if you're going to go down, your best player's got to go. You got to go. Like, you got to be able to find a way to get the ball to your best players. 
you know Martindale's going to blitz the shit out of you. You know they're gonna, you're going to be in zero blitz. You can't just throw the ball away. You got you got to know what's going to happen. He's going to blitz if it if it went in doubt. He's going to blitz you, and yet you can't make a play against zero coverage. You got two legitimate receivers out there. You can't make a play. It was really bad. Definitely was bad. And the fact that Lamar Jackson tying Vic's record at just 24 years of age, that, that's just insane to me. Elsewhere, Chargers and Eagles. Philadelphia's hanging in there, but ultimately it's Justin Herbert getting back to being Justin Herbert. He leads the Chargers against this bad Eagles defense. Fifth quarterback this season to complete more than 80% of his passes against the Eagles. Joining Dak Prescott, Patrick Mahomes, Tom Brady, and Derek Carr. Eagles rushed 39 times. This is kind of shocking. They actually ran the ball. Wow. They ran 39 times compared to just 17 pass attempts for Hurts, but they're still winless at home. And how about the disparity? Herbert, I mentioned, goes over 80% against Philly. Hurts ranks among the bottom of the NFL in completion percentage at just 61%. I mean, they, they can't do anything throwing the ball. Everyone knows it. And like you just said, with Martindale, he's blitzing the shit out of them, mean, meaning the previous game we were talking about, the Ravens game and the Vikings. Anybody facing the Eagles goes, well, they can't throw. Like the whole world knows that. So you just have to game plan against them. There's no way that Jalen Hurts is the answer. Everyone knows that. You even had that tweet, Mike, just about the Eagles defense. Facing Prescott, Mahomes, Brady, Carr, and Herbert, they've only forced 28 incompletions in those five games. That's terrible. How about that? 28 incompletions. And here's what's even better. So the game yesterday, they only allowed, they only had, they only had six incompletions against Herbert. And they never, their defense, that when you go to the stat sheet and you look at passes defended, there wasn't one Eagle player got a hand on a ball. They never touched the ball. They never touched the ball. Like at some point when you're playing against these quarterbacks, you know, you've only allowed 28 incompletions in five games. 28. That means that means you're you're averaging less than six incompletions. What Herbert did yesterday is just the average. It's actually slightly a little bit above the average. Think about how bad you must be on defense when that happens. You got no, it's like, it's not like you're making three pointers and you're hot. You're just completing so many easy throws. And it tells you the defense isn't doing anything to adjust to it. It's basically telling you Jonathan Gannon's not doing anything. He's playing cover six, cover cover two. That's all we're going. Weak zone, going to play cover two. And, and like, what does he think is going to happen? Does he think gonna? Ha- Does he think some miracle is gonna come down from God? You know, we're gonna stop him all of a sudden. Like, I mean, what's gonna happen? He got no pass rush. They, I mean, Herbert's uniform was never gonna get dirty. The only time that 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 you actually stopped them is when they got in the goal line and they went for it on fourth down. I mean, like every time that like like Joe Lombardi ran the ball on short yardage it was the only chance you had to stop him. If he throws it on short yardage and stays in three receivers, you're never gonna stop him. It was like too easy. It was too easy. And and look, I've said this since the beginning of the season. I said it this summer. The Eagles are running the Oklahoma Sooner offense. Now, when somebody wants to finally acknowledge it, please, you don't have to give me credit. Just admit it. You're running Oklahoma. All these teams that run spread in college from peak, from, from Chip Kelly all, it's all about they want to run the ball because they you, you, they make you pretend you're going to defend the pass, but it's all runs. And so that's what it is. They're just running the ball. Hurts can't make a play. And I'm telling you something, they got so lucky, Philadelphia. This game shouldn't have been as close as it was because they got away with about four holding calls. When Hurts goes out of the pocket, I'm sitting by myself watching the game, got the two dogs, and I'm like, they can't, they got to call. I'm screaming, they got to call holding. I mean, they got, it was so bad. 
and they didn't call it. And it hurts runs for a first down. I mean, Hertz has got 10 carries for 62 yards. It's great. Wonderful. He throws for a buck 62. He's got 115 quarterback rating. Oh, that's great. He can't make one play in a passing game. They can't make a play. In a, you, you can't win if you can't make plays in a passing game. And you can't win if you don't score points. The Eagles are 0-15-1 when allowing 22 or more points since 2020. Think about that. If you give up 22 points, that's how sad sack your offense is. You're saying, we got no chance, guys. Sorry. If we give up 22 points, we can't score more than that. Just forget about it. We can't win a game. That's crazy. It's unbelievable. And, and, and look, I don't know what the Eagles are going to do. I mean, if they're going to fire Gannon at the defense court, they can't. To me, at some point, when you've played five of the best quarterbacks in football, at some point, aren't you just going to say to yourself, look, we got to change what we're doing? You got to say, well, they keep trading for corners and they play zone. Like, uh, what do you need corners for if you're going to play cover three? You know, if you're going to play cover six, weak zone, you're going to play cover two, got the flat. Like, you know, what are we doing here? Are we ever going to lock them on man to man and see if we can win? More frustration for Philadelphia Eagles. No doubt about that. Let's get to the mailbag. As always, send us your mailbag questions to the GM Shuffle at gmail.com or feel free to send us a message on Instagram at the GM Shuffle. This is from Kramer. Seinfeld, maybe. Hey, guys, I'm looking forward to the next Bears GM hire. What can they do to avoid another mistake? Does President Ted Phillips put his finger on the scale to favor candidates that don't threaten his influence? They say he isn't involved in football decisions, but he's there for all the hirings and firings. Great question. You know, I, I think to me... If I were Ted Phillips, I, I would try to find somebody who I could build a culture around within the building as the general manager. And I would have the general manager hire the coach and work together hand in hand. And I think the Bears are a tremendous job. It's a family-run business. You know, they're a little bit of an old school methodology, but I think you've got to find somebody who can come in and develop and build the culture and develop the quarterback. Because you, you, you've got all this invested in Justin Fields. What are we going to do? How are we going to handle it? and how well he plays. And the general manager has to work for the coach. The coach can't work for the GM. They got to work hand in hand. It's hard to find. You know, it's hard to find somebody that could see the big picture, understand what we need to do. I think it's going to be a challenging hire. You know, they'll go the coordinator coordinator route. They'll go through hire a a Matt Nagy, a guy who's never had any experience. But what we learn, I think Vic Fangio taught us this last week against Kellen Moore. You get an experienced guy that knows what he's doing, you got a pretty good chance to to get things fixed. I think that's what they need, experience, and they need somebody who can coach the quarterback. And that market of the people that can do that effectively is very small. Yeah. The good news is you know how to identify what they need. The bad news is, as you just said, it's tough to find those people who can actually do it. Let's get to the award, shall we? We got On the Land, the Fred Palermo Award. If you don't know, now you know. Let's do On the Land first, because I got one for you. That's Aaron Rodgers, Mike. This guy got his ass kicked after his interview on our buddy Pat McAfee's show. As you and I have said time and time again, listen, I respect the right. If you don't want to get the vaccine, we got it. But he misled people by saying, I'm immunized rather than vaccinated. And then it had the goal to quote Martin Luther King in discussing his opinions. As one of my friends, Justin Havens, tweeted, this is a lot of words, Jason, to say you're an asshole. This is why Aaron Rodgers, listen, I don't want to crush the guy too hard, but I think it's a selfish decision, as you and I have said, not being um, vaccinated. And listen, for the Packers, they lose that game against the Chiefs. There's only one buy in the NFC, Mike. That, that's why for those that go, well, it's only one game. Well, yeah, but he might get COVID again. And you might have missed out on the chance of that buy. Rodgers, I think, should go on the lamb. Well, I, I, I think there's so many candidates to go on the lamb, but I think you can't put Rodgers on the lamb because after you watch the Packer game, he's going to get himself a blank check. I mean, (laughs) you really, you drafted Jordan Love to replace Rodgers. 
Say whatever you want about Rodgers. You know, you're entire, everybody's entitled their opinion about him. I'm talking about the football player. You, you're telling me that Jordan Love, Jordan Love, that game, there was no chance he was going to go in there. No chance. The fact that the Chiefs are so messed up was the only chance you had. You know, and if Mason Crosby could make a couple kicks, they were able to win. That was an ugly, ugly game from start to finish. And it was reinforced to me that you you basically pissed off your best player to take this guy, and you're not even sure he's going to be a player. I mean, you got to honestly say to yourself, we need a quarterback. I mean, he did not look like he had any poise. You say, well, he's a rookie. It's his first start. He's been on the team for a year. Mac Jones is a rookie. They're playing pretty good. Like, you can't have a double standard, right? You can't have it both ways. Guy's been in the program. Patrick Mahomes, the second year, he was dominating the league. He was dominating the league. So, like, I'll give it time. Maybe love will turn around. I don't know. But for me, on the lamp, I think the Rams have to go on the lamp. That was embarrassing last night. I think the 49ers have to go on the lamp. I think these teams that lack toughness need to go on the lamp. I think at some point we have to recognize football in spite of what the commissioner's office wants to do and make it a soft game and keep the quarterback from getting hit and all that. It's still about pad level, physical and mental toughness. And when you just become so preoccupied with with all the passes and just get to empty and we're going to throw the ball, even though we can't protect, let's get to empty. Even though our quarterback's getting killed, let's get to empty. You know, let's make sure we could do that. We don't chip on the ends. We don't do all that stuff because it looks great on the blackboard. You deserve to go on the lamp. Yeah, we'll have the Buffalo Bills that are going on the lamb after they lose the Jaguars 9-6. to Just a brutal loss. We then go to the Fred Palermo game plan of the week. One game we haven't talked about, Mike, I'll throw this one out. Cleveland. They put up 41 on the Bengals. A couple weeks ago, the Bengals were 5-2. and two. We go, all right, this Bengals team is legit. No, the Browns put up 41 points against them as they hammer the Bengals 41-16. to 16. That's my pick there for the Fred Palermo game plan of the week. They rushed the ball. Nick Chubb was great. Yeah, Nick Chubb. I mean, they only had the ball 23 minutes. Nick Chubb hits a 70-yard run. They Donovan Peoples-Jones. I mean, they should get the guest game plan for firing Odell. <laughs> you know, and how about people that are wearing free Odell shirts? Like, it's, I've never, the guy has incredible camp marketing campaign. I mean, it's really remarkable. That's so, how people have such different opinions of Odell. There's the outside and then there's the people that deal with them. You know, I, I mean, the, that was a great win. The, the, the Bengals, to me, their problems are enormous in terms of their offensive line. Burrow's still going to get killed. He made mistakes, interception, Denzel Ward, pick six, turns the ball over, fumbles. They gave the game away. It's 41-16, but it, you know, it was it really, they dominated the time possession. They dominated the yards. Cleveland just basically didn't make a mistake and won the game. And Mayfield, 21 attempts, throws the ball down the field. I, I think to me, you, you obviously, you, you, you got to believe that Jaguars should at least get the Fred Palermo Award. I think the Titans had the best game plan. They go out there without their best player. They know it's going to be hard. They stopped a really good offense. They played physical. They played tough. I think the Titans, to me, they sold me on them being way better defensively than I thought they were. Definitely a great win for the Titans. Seven and two. To be able to do that to the Rams was definitely notable. If you don't know, now you know. What do you got? I think the Tampa's the best team. I think Tampa's the best team in the, in, in the NFL in terms of the most complete team. I think Tampa, I, I think, you know, Arizona, Tampa are the two teams. I mean, Green Bay will be there, especially if they play good defense. And, you know, I'm not going to buy the, the blurp of the road, all these teams. But to me, Tampa, because of Brady, they're probably not going to have too many burps in the roads because he's going to oversee it. 
I still think they're the best team. I really do. All right. Those are uh, the awards for this week. Pop Culture Minute. Uh, what do you got, Mike? Anything stand out? I saw a movie called The French Dispatch, Wes Anderson film. wasn't great. He's made some other better films like uh, Rushmore, Rail, Tenenbaum. So that was not a great trip to the theater for me. You, anything you're seeing? No, I got to wait for Millie to get home because, you know, Yellowstone's back. Have you seen this yet? Oh, Kevin Costner. Unbelievable. I mean, what a show. I mean, uh, Westerns. Somebody said to me, it's kind of like a combination of Dallas and The Sopranos. I said, what a way to sell the show. It really is. It's kind of a combination. I'm excited. It started, I think it's season three or season four. I'm not sure what season it is, but it's really good. I'm excited to start watching that. I haven't watched Billy Bob Thornton in in the last season of uh, his detective. Goliath. Uh, Goliath, right. I haven't seen that one. He, I love him. I, I need to watch that too. Uh, I started to watch you, but that just became too much of the same thing over and over again, you know. So I kind of I cut back on that, but I I, I got to get on. And then I have I I'm behind on billions. I need to catch up on billions. I'm like two weeks behind on billions. I like to actually wait a couple weeks so I can watch like two or three in a row. Did you watch Rust? Did you watch Rust? I have not. The show with Jeff Daniels, right? How was that? Yeah, he's really good in it. I mean, Jeff Daniels is outstanding. I don't know how many episodes there are. I'm like four in. I got to finish that too. I'm surprised you're still watching Billions because I remember a year ago you and I were talking. You said it's like B minus right now. Yeah, I know, but I, they, they got me locked in. No, I'm sorry. Succession is what I need to finish. Yes. I'm two or three behind. So I finished Billions. I got through that. Billions is just going to come back. I mean, they replaced, if anybody hasn't seen it, they're changing the show a little bit. And now there's a new nemesis for Paul Giamatti. I mean, it's the same thing over and over again. No, Succession, fantastic. I was I was watching Sunday Night Football last night, and I said, okay, once it, once it was 21 to 3, you got to the half, I watched Succession. It was amazing. I don't want to give anything away for you, but just what, the, the- Was it good last oh, night? Fantastic. I mean, the stuff between, obviously, the father, Logan Roy, and his son, Kendall, all I will say is they finally met yesterday, which was- Fantastic. I mean, the, just the dialogue is so well written. You yourself, as a writer, obviously you've written a great book. You're writing another book right now. You must like. I watch that and I go, "Oh my god! Like, how could you? I couldn't dream up dialogue this delicious, this scathing. It's like it's cut with a scalpel. It's so good." Yeah, I love it. I I, I got to get back. We're 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 behind. I watched the season the season uh, premiere, but now I got to catch up. So hopefully this week I will. All right, you'll get it done. Thanks so much for checking out the GM Shuffle. Appreciate all of you listening. Please go to Apple Podcasts where you can subscribe, rate, and review. You can follow me and Mike on Twitter and IG M Lombardi NFL. Adnan S Ferk. We'll talk to you later this week. <laughs> 